0: Man, is the in-season tournament a dub or a dud? LeBron James and Ime Udoka rekindle some beef. And Chris Paul opens up about Scott Foster. I'm Ro Zapanta. This is The Clinic All-NBA Podcast. I have the three hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Woo,
1: feeling good. I'm feeling great. I miss you guys. What up? How's everyone doing?
0: know she,
2: she love because... Man, I'm feeling good. Yeah, it's been a long time.
0: John, how you living, my friend?
2: It has been a long time, indeed. I'm doing great. Let's talk some basketball.
0: I'm Detective John. Let's talk some basketball. Sammy, how you living, my
3: friend? I'm good, man. Like, we've been gone a while, and all of a sudden, John's James Harden MVP pick is gaining steam. <laughs> Let's go.
0: <laughs> I don't know if we're going to talk about that today. Sammy we have to talk about the in-season tournament i know we just watched the semifinals today but we gotta we gotta rewind a little bit we gotta talk about the quarterfinals because something interesting happened between the los angeles lakers and the phoenix suns and what happened is that the lakers were leading by two points with 11 seconds left the lakers needed to only inbound the ball get fouled and make two free throws to effectively clinch the game yet when they attempted to do so Chaos ensued. Austin Rivers lost the ball. And the Suns seemed to gain possession with a chance to tie or win the game. Fortunately, the Lakers, LeBron They're James, out. had the foresight to call a timeout to save the possession. And here's where the controversy comes. Did Austin Reeves have possession of the ball? What do you guys think?
3: Jordan never did that move.
2: Well, before I get into it, I'm going to, I'm not going to let this slide. I know people make mistakes, but you calling my boy Austin Rivers to start the show, June? How oh, dare my you? bad,
0: man. I'm sorry. How do you
2: do my guy like that? How do you do Austin Rivers <laughs> like that, man? I know that's Sammy's favorite player, but come on. No, okay. Wow, did he have possession? You know what? I think, ultimately, it was he did not have possession, but... I will say this. It was definitely, if you look at the slow-mo and you look at people who are actually analyzing it to to a very, very specific detail, it was a lot closer than it looked, than it appeared on the live broadcast. I will mm-hmm. say that. Before I jump into it even further, I want to get everyone else's thoughts.
3: Hell no. you, your Donahue cam was looking at this a little <laughs> different than mine, I'm just going to say. <laughs> It did not look close to me. Either, I didn't Sammy. look close to me. Did either, not man. Look close. I, I I get that you're trying to argue for it. It is what it is. But
0: I I will I, say that LeBron James was super smart at looking
3: at the rep who had literally the worst view. Agreed. Agreed. And I think honestly, what was worse about it is that in the you know the two minute report that comes out after the game, they still didn't admit that it was a mistake that's kind of oh I missed that yeah so if you're gonna have that report and you're still not going to admit when obvious things happen what's the point of the report they said three calls if I remember remember right were wrong and they were all like in Phoenix's favor
0: Jay now that you know that the, the report shows that Austin Reeves not Rivers Reeves had possession do you feel like there's like some conspiracy going on behind the scenes there the lakers man i mean if chris weber can't
1: even get a timeout for the national championship <laughs> how many years ago and lebron can and his his boy didn't even have possession i mean it, it's the lakers though like uh, in all in all fairness like star players get the calls and that's usually related to fouls in this instance lebron james got the benefit of the doubt sammy and John could reap in the benefits from that so congrats to you John and your Lakers because we all know the equity with the Lakers they get whatever they want and this is a prime example of that (laughs) we're not gonna
2: so we're gonna talk about one play yes if you want to say it's a bad call by all means but let's talk about the Suns 20 turnovers Devin Booker had 7 of them right? The Lakers shot 37% for this entire game. So the Suns had many opportunities to win this game. And look, bad calls happen. I mean, I am not gonna revision this, I'm not gonna talk about the past, but we all know what happened with the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Lakers. Like, if that were to happen, if Tatum were to clearly foul LeBron and this was it was a tournament game, there probably wouldn't be a lot of people making a crying about it. Because People love to hate the Lakers. That's just the reality of it. Hey man.
0: John, you Tell are me absolutely I'm wrong. Tell right. Me I'm wrong. But I mean, to the winner goes the spoils, right? And we should really talk about, since we're talking about the Lakers anyway, let's talk about the Lakers defeating the Pelicans 133 to 83, where LeBron James scores 30 points. Man, I, let, let's talk about this game a little bit. Whoa. Just the Pelicans look completely lethargic. This, All the starters look lost. What happened in this game for the Pelicans to look this bad after they had such a great showing against the Sacramento Kings?
1: CJ McCollum thought it was April, and he went into playoff form
0: and <laughs> shot below 30%. Ouch. That's what happened. Oh. Yeah, that, that doesn't help. Sammy, what do you think? <laughs>
3: It looks like i mean it was already a 13 point game at half if i remember correctly i think there was about three minutes left and this was a one or two point game in the first half and then the lakers went on a run and they came out of the locker room and third quarter went 43 to 17. so clearly that was where this game changed i was looking at some of the stuff high score for the pelicans was trey murphy off the bench with 14. zion had 13. brandon ingram had nine everyone was a minus 20 or worse it just felt like, even though this wasn't the playoffs itself, it was still an environment where, you know, the spotlight was on a little bit, and it just felt like the Pelicans weren't ready for it. And LeBron, all credit, man, 23 minutes to do what he did was insane in this game. Yeah. I mean, he basically put the team on his back at the end of that half, and that that's what led them out to this deficit. So, it just felt like the Pelicans weren't ready for an elevated position, really. That, that's how it came up to me.
0: John, do you think it's the Pelicans falling flat or the Lakers stifling defense that they did this in?
2: Probably a combination of both. I mean, when you're, when you're, when you go on a run, right, and it kind of deflates your team, and you can either respond and fight back, or you can kind of lay down and, you know, wave the white flag. And the Pelicans did the latter. They didn't show any fight. Um, the Lakers did play, play, play defense really well. And they have this, the Lakers have the size, right? They have the, that's the one of the things that they're gonna give teams problems are undersized teams. And the Pelicans, they do have some length, but ultimately, and and Brandon Ingram struggles when guys who are defending him have that length. And you have Torian Prince and Jared Vanderbilt. So we kind of have the prototypes to limit, and a lot of the times um, make it very difficult for guys like Brandon Ingram. And Zion, look, I don't want to get too much into it, but tell me, guys, if I'm wrong, he does not look like he's in shape at all. No,
0: hmm. I- I'm going to agree. Yeah, agreed. He-, he still has some work to do. And, you know, with that, the Lakers move on to the finals and it's going to be against the Pacers who defeated the Bucks today, 128 to 119. And, you know, we could talk about Giannis, we could talk about Dame. But for me, the real highlight here is Tyrese Halliburton and what he's been able to do, I think, within the last month. If you just look up his stats, the last month has been absolutely ridiculous and he still stays on fire. Guys, what are some key things that we should take away from the Pacers' Bucks? We could either talk about the great things that the Pacers were doing or maybe the concerns that we have for the Bucks. I'll start off. In the beginning of the season, we talked about how Drew Holiday
1: would have been a huge loss, and a lot of people thought that Dame would provide more of an upside for the Bucks. But the Bucks' defense—that was their key to winning—and to have no backcourt defense is showing problems, even with that strong front court and. To my surprise, you know, you have the Pacers beating the Bucks. And I know we're going to head into this, June, but I think that's cool that the Pacers are getting the props because this wouldn't have happened in the postseason because in the postseason, it's a best out of seven. And when you have this tournament where it's, you know, um, do or die, lost you're out the Pacers are getting the love similar to like how college is where you would never know and also be unfamiliar with a potential talent but it's really highlighting um, players like Halliburton so props to the Pacers props to
3: Halliburton who everyone on this pod loves yeah man I, I think for me this was this was the coming out party for him to the more casual fan who might not see a lot of pace or basketball. Yep. Like if you're a basketball junkie, you knew how good this kid is. Yeah. But without a doubt this season, he's top five. And it's I don't I it's not arguable. I mean, his his stats are nuts and they are not empty stats. He is the reason that team is winning. I believe if I saw the numbers right of the last two games, he has 27 assists and no turnovers. Which is wild. Crazy. So that is yeah, great. Much respect to him, man. I love watching him and I love watching that team now. I will say their defense is one step away from being awful. It's that bad right now. That that is a problem. Cause it's it's just terrible. Like the a wild thing, this is just a side gambling note. They actually went under on their over under total tonight for this game. The over under for this game was two fifty five. So just just a thought, if you ever watch an old Miami Heat, New York Knicks game from the 90s. But just overall, man, I love watching that team. And he's the engine that makes them go. He makes everyone around him better. And he is a legit MVP candidate this year, as far as I'm concerned.
0: A crazy stat I heard about Halliburton is that in the semifinals, that was his first TNT game in his wow. career. Very so, sheet. there are not a lot of people watching Tyrese Halliburton. John, John, what did you think of this game?
2: I like Halliburton. I do. And I, I can't help but think the Kings and Pacers trade, right, Sabonis for Halliburton. And I know hindsight is twenty twenty, and I know he may not have been the greatest fit in Sacramento. You have a lot of, you have Darren Fox here in Indiana, Halliburton's handling the ball, so it's a different dynamic, it's a different scenario, so you can't really say that the Kings would be that much better with Halliburton. But, if you're looking at it, just, if you compartmentalize it, Halliburton looks to be an MVP caliber player in the future, right? If he continues to play this way. To Sammy's point, to have 27 assists and zero turnovers is actually pretty mind-boggling, especially in today's NBA. Now, Sammy's right, they play zero to no defense. and But that's why this in-season tournament, I know we're gonna get into it in a little bit, is awesome, right? It gives the teams like this an opportunity. And no one's gonna pick the Pacers to win the championship for that reason, they play no defense. Um, but I love that team, I think they're exciting to watch. Halliburton is putting up crazy numbers. He has the worst shooting form I've ever seen in the last 10 years, maybe worse than Sean Marion. The Matrix, <laughs> shout out. But he's, as long as it goes in, man. It goes I mean, in. Like, it's like he's following in the footsteps of the legendary Reggie Miller out there in Indiana, dude. Terrible shooting for him, but the results are all that matter, right? Yeah, absolutely. And boys, we have to talk about what we think of the finals that are coming
0: up here in this IST, the Lakers versus the Pacers. I want to know maybe interesting matchups that you guys might like also who you think the winner is going to be
2: well since the lakers are always playing uh eight on five i'm just doing that for in JJ. Their, favor, their favor of course <laughs> yeah. as long as, because the lakers are playing eight on five you know
0: gotta give it to my my,
2: my la lakers baby
0: oh man And that was not the matchup I was, (laughs) the matchup analysis I was thinking of. Sammy, what do you think?
3: I'm divided on this, man. I just, the Lakers have looked really good lately and they have the best big game player currently in the league, obviously, but just Halliburton really wants this. He mentioned that he's never won anything. Hmm. And it just it feels a little bit like they really want to seize this moment. I mean, I think this is going to be an incredible game to watch. If I had to choose, I would I would say the Lakers will win, but it's like literally 51-49. And it pains me to say that, but uh, uh, it's, it's hard for me to choose. But I have a feeling LeBron's going to pull this out if I had to pick.
1: Even before the tournament started, LeBron wanted to be basically synonymous with the first championship of the Uh play-in. And he wants that narrative. And if it's not going to be LeBron, it should have been Steph because Steph wanted it too. But because obviously the Warriors suck right now, I think LeBron will win it because it just fits the narrative. Like how fitting would it be that LeBron James, quote unquote, one of the greatest and probably to a lot of you listening, the greatest, you're probably wrong with that take, but it's okay. Not everyone's perfect. <laughs> It'll fit the legacy of LeBron James. So props to LeBron James. I don't I don't hate him as a player. I, I think it's dope that he's chasing after it. And I think it's super sick that he's chasing after it for an athlete that's past 40, which gives us false hope in our own, you know, Athletic yeah. bodies.
0: <laughs>
1: just, yeah, just to absolutely. add one
3: little addendum, yeah, guys. I, I think the the Pacers' lack of defense is going to catch up to them here. I just the best defensive player in this game is clearly going to be Davis. So if Davis can even slightly mitigate the Pacers a little bit on the interior, I think that makes a difference here too. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm definitely going with the Lakers as well. Now that we've talked about the in-season tournament, I guys, I want to ask you guys what your thoughts of the end season tournament do you guys like it do you not like it do you think some things need to be tweaked here what do you guys think
3: wow i i like it more than i thought i would and it's clear the players Mm. are the players are taking the game seriously and yeah what i think we all as fans have complained about the last few years is it feels like there's this lull in the season where the players clearly don't care Mm-hmm. There's all this load management going on. They're just waiting to get to the playoffs and right. it devalued the regular season. And you can see these the guys are into it. They're really going after it. The, the rotations got shortened up. The atmosphere is there. The fans care. Like, I think it was um, the Pacers hosted a couple nights ago, the last game before they came to Vegas or two games before they came to Vegas and the stadium was going off. It was a great environment. It really did feel like April or May. So in that regard, I think it's been successful. I understand why they changed the courts for the tournament. I am not a fan of the bulk of the courts. I hope they try something different with those next year, especially the bright red ones. I just, it's hard and physically distracting to an old man like myself to watch basketball with a bright red background. So in the scheme of things, I think they killed it. This ended up being a far better idea than I personally thought it was gonna be. Just minor tweaks now, the aesthetics, and I'm good with it, but am I overhyping you? What do you guys think?
0: Damian Lillard had the same thing to say. He said, I would like to see better designs for the courts. That's one thing. Um, but what, what else do you guys think?
1: I think in, in terms of like uh, the result of the game. So, for example, what I like is that teams in the beginning of the season, now they're taking um, how managing the roster is. So, for example, when the Bucks lost today, you had um, Portis call out his teammates and coach. And then a few weeks ago, and June, you probably, you know, are aware of this, like the Warriors, when they did lose to OKC, when they had that lead, I was actually at that game. There was a lot of drama and Coach Kerr wanted to tighten up the rotations and they talked about what they should do with the starting lineup. And I think that's cool. Like, it, it really forces teams to look deep into their roster and into their own players. And make adjustments in um, the beginning of the season. I mentioned it before. I like the fact that teams like the Pacers are getting some shine because they would not get any shine during the playoffs just because in the best of game se- seven series, they'll probably more than likely lose, right? And if there was a change, I would say what we've been saying all along they gotta make the prize better, more. More incentive for the fans to watch. And that would be a guaranteed draft pick. I would say the Ooh. 15th spot. So then, for example, for a really good team like the Celtics win, they get that 15th roster spot. Because more than likely, the best teams, they get what? The 30th, 29th pick? That would actually force all the other teams to stop the Top tier teams from winning, or try to stop them at, at, as a more uh, motivation.
3: You know, along those lines, I was listening to a, a different pod and they had a very interesting idea for what the reward would be. Uh huh. This is what they proposed, and I'll just throw it out there because you mentioned it. Um, they were saying wherever you are in playoff seating by the end of the year, uh, you get elevated by one level. So, what they meant by that is if you're a lottery team but you won, you get in the plan, you're a playing team you get the six seed. You're the six seed, you host round one, something like that, like all the way up. Oh. So it doesn't necessarily put like, mm. it's not a massive jump, so you don't end up like, if one random year Detroit somehow wins the tournament, they end up going from like the 18th seed to the four. But it does give you a little bit more to play for, no matter what. So I thought that one was interesting too. I don't know what you would think of that, Chase, since you mentioned like a reward. That one, it's a little complex, but I like the concept.
1: Yeah, it seems cool. Um, it just, I guess my only thing is that if you're like the Pistons mm-hmm. and you, you perform, like, say for example, the Pacers do win the in-season tournament, but they don't even make the playoffs. What happens to that stadium?
3: So the Pistons go into the plan in that scenario. Oh, they would
1: they would have to guarantee They would the jump.
3: Yeah, so it's a guarantee that you move up one level no matter what. So if you're a lottery team, you would get the ten seed.
1: Ooh. I would have to sit on that.
3: So that's the thing. It actually does create some stakes, no matter what you are, whether you're a lottery team, whether you're top. And the only thing it wouldn't affect is if you finish with the one seed, then obviously you finish with the one seed. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Hmm. And now that there's like punishments for um, load management, Mm -hmm. that makes it even more interesting too. John, what what did you think of the the in-season tournament?
2: It's interesting because you guys make some good points. I think I do think that upping the ante for the prize is more for the fans than it would be for the players incentive because from what I'm seeing and maybe this is just because it's the inaugural first time this tournament is happening, but I think the money, right? And I know it's not a lot it's not a lot for these big name players, obviously LeBron James, Anthony Davis, some of these big names. But they are playing harder, they're competing harder because they know that the 14th, 13th, 14th, 15th guy on the roster is not making that much money. And that's a lot for them, right? That's something that they could actually use, they could put away, they could, and maybe they're not gonna make as, they're definitely not gonna make as much money. So I think it's, it's very contagious, right? When you see your, your teammates playing hard in a December regular season game, that's going to translate to the other players. And that's why I think you're seeing so much. And who would have thought when you give professional players something to compete for, they're going to play harder. I mean, that's the reality of it. I mean, this NBA cup trophy, right? Who knows if this thing is going to be, people are going to be talking about it years down the line. Maybe, maybe not. But anytime you give competitors something to actually compete for, something tangible, it's going to show and i think adam silver is an absolute genius for this to be honest with you i think he's you know to all of the smack that we talk about adam silver and some of the things that he i think he can get a lot of slack for and maybe some some of it's warranted or justified he does try new things he does a lot of i mean the you got the play in right you have this in-season tournament so he's trying to push the envelope and i think you that's all you can ask for in a a commissioner for for any sport. So I like it a lot. Um, I'm I'm interested in it. I'm well-vested in it. And that's not just because the Lakers are in the finals, JJ. I see you. (laughs) I see you over there. Yeah,
0: I, I like it too. And, you know, Tyrese Halliburton actually has a great point here. He said this, quote, Just to avoid the tiebreaker kind of mess that was going on. Everyone was like, if who wins, what happens? Maybe playing a couple more games, maybe outside of your group in the other conference, something like that. Just play more games to have different scenarios with tiebreakers and make it make a little more sense. I'm curious to see how it will look next year for sure. And for me, we need more games. Like four games... Four games is not enough. That's that's like way too quick to feel the importance of these games like down the line. Like it yeah. really seems like we blinked. And as a Warrior fan, I was like, wait a minute. We really need to win this game against Sacramento and win by, what was it, wow. like 15 points? 14 12 points. Forget, by 12 points yeah. in order to get in the tournament. And literally, I just blinked and that happened. I think all the way up into the All-Star break, there should be games for the in-season tournament and hopefully the tournament ends by all-star break just because now between now and all-star break there's gonna be another lull right there's nothing going on it's just regular season games so why not extend it um that would be my sort of suggestion there i don't know if you guys see any holes in that or what do you guys think there should be more games
2: yeah, i think there should be more games but i also think it, there's the Following that line of if you extend it too far will people start to become disinterested and lose will it lose some mm, of that traction I see. so I think I do agree with you though I think that there should be more games I think it's it's really finding how many that is though you have to be kind of careful at least in my opinion
1: I, I have one one suggestion which was my pre-existing thoughts of what it would be i thought it was going to be like a crazy bracket oh like, like, march, Mar- madness. Madness. like march madness yeah. okay and i i i, I would have i would think that would be really cool to see i know we're like trying not to steal from the ncaa but shoot if they're allowing high school players to come back to the nba might as well Take advantage and steal more from the NCAA, right? Like like Jay, I know
2: that <laughs> Jay, Jay I know that uh sometimes Logic sixteen seeds flawless. <laughs> I know sometimes sixteen seeds beat the one seed in, in the March Madness tournament, but there ain't no way that the Detroit Pistons or San Antonio Spurs are beating any team this year. They're completely awful. Shout out Detroit and San Antonio. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, real real quickly, we have to talk about our our favorites for the IST. MVP and the current odds go like this LeBron James is leading the pack at minus 120 Tyrese Halliburton at plus 105 AD at plus 1400 and Austin Reeves at 4700 Miles Turner at 7000 so at a quick glance is there like I know we all probably think LeBron James is most likely going to get this award but is there like maybe a sneaky person that might might get in there or maybe a bet that you would like to place that you might think might hit?
2: So funny you should award? Yeah,
0: Sammy,
3: <laughs> take it away. Uh,
2: well, T.J. McConnell, Sammy's putting 100 on hundred on T.J. McConnell. T.J. McConnell,
3: great. Uh, so remember, this award is for all the play going back before the knockout round. So this is not a one game. Okay. So that being said, this is down to those two guys. It's it's Halliburton or LeBron, and it's going to be mm-hmm. whoever wins the game. Mm-hmm. So on the gambling front, to me, this is very simple. If you think the Lakers are going to win, you bet LeBron to win MVP because his MVP odds are better than the money line for the Lakers outright. So the Lakers money line is minus 160. LeBron is at minus 120. Mm-hmm. Anything goes the other way. If you think Halliburton or if you think the Pacers are going to win, then you bet the Pacers outright money line because that's plus 160, and his MVP odds are a little lower. Because unless Halliburton or LeBron, either way, like unless one of them goes for like 50 in this game, they're not going to win the MVP if their team doesn't win. But uh, but just because this takes everything into account before, I don't see a scenario where like Anthony Davis or Reeves will win it, barring just. Some r- literally record-breaking performance just because LeBron's been unreal for these last couple weeks, and then Halliburton has been in the same way. So that yeah. that was my look at it. Was there's a very real value-based opportunity for people to maximize their money depending on who they think is going to win this game. Yeah,
2: I agree. This is a 50-50. It's a toss-up. And if you bid on anybody else other than LeBron or Albert, I'm sorry, you should just throw your money in the trash can and burn it and roll it down the river. because <laughs> There's absolutely no way anybody else is winning the MVP. I will guarantee it. I will, Charles Barkley, guarantee it. And nice. I know that doesn't really, That's that's uh, there's irony oh. in that, so...
1: I got to put money on uh, your boy, D'Lo, D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> Most well, likely to be traded before the tournament ends.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, we're going to take a short little break with a word from our sponsor.
2: Are you tired of constantly losing your bets on unfair gambling apps? Our sponsor, Parlay Play, has the best lines to increase your chances at winning it big. Not only
3: does it have a, have great lines, it's also an awesome app with a community feel. Use code CLINICALLNB8 for a deposit match up to $100 and a free $5 game on the house. They also have a feature called slide the line where users can raise or lower line of their choosing. Pause the pod, get on your phone, and download the app now.
0: Pause the pod, get on your phone, and download the app indeed. We are going to talk about once again, LeBron James, he had a little confrontation with Ime Udoka. And Ime Udoka got his first ejection as coach of the Houston Rockets. The dispute came late during the Rockets 107 to 97 defeat to the Los Angeles Lakers on Saturday night. The quarrel led yeah. to double technical fouls for the two respective parties, which resulted in Udoka's second of the night. His first technical foul came with 2 minutes and 51 seconds in the second quarter so this is the interaction that was caught by a Twitter user I mean an X user I'll never get that right an X user <laughs> who shared a video and had leaked audio of the exchange at crypto.com and Ime udoka said this I'm gonna do my best to dance around these words here he said stop crying like Dogs, man. (laughs) LeBron goes, we're all grown men. That word ain't cool. Yudoka says, soft, but boy. Stop (laughs) dogs. Dogging. Acting like you're going to do something. (laughs) Man, that was awful. You can sort of see where we're going here. With this interaction boys i want to ask you what do you guys think of one the interaction two was the technical and ejection warranted
2: can i uh can i try to translate it yeah go ahead go ahead stop crying like batches man udoka said (laughs) udoka said stop crying like batches man lebron we're all grown men that batch word ain't cool udoka soft ash boy stop batching acting like you're gonna do something all right i don't know if that's any more clear for our audience but i feel like that's way more clear it's a little more clear right okay you got it this is a family friendly pod okay i I appreciate it bro for trying to make sure that it's pg i tried i Um, failed sorry i lost my train of thought sammy please start us off on on this uh exchange here
3: uh, I don't, I don't mind the double tax. I think it's stuff like this can escalate, and obviously the league needs to put a, a limit on it. I know people will say, well, the '80s and '90s was a lot worse. Yes, I know. Lord, that's not where we are anymore. um It had just happened that it was Udoka's second. I don't know what he got the first one for, but it is what it is. Like, if he's going to talk like that, he's got to be prepared that the refs are going to hear. It's the most publicized player in the league, and so the whistle is going to be quicker. Like. To me, this was stupid on Adoka's part. I don't yeah. get it. You might be irritated. I get it, but you're not accomplishing anything with this conversation, yep. except for maybe pissing LeBron off, which, based on past history, is probably not the smartest thing to do. So I, I get it. I think the double texts were warranted. And as a result, he got ejected. Like, I don't think you can put the whistle away because you just you can't chance it. And the league hasn't ever since, obviously, going way back since malice at the palace they like they're very quick whistled on anything like this anymore so it's what it is to me what do you guys think warranted
1: yeah the his ejection was warranted i mean it's kind of soft to get thrown out for talking smack but as a coach you don't do that to uh, the opposing players you know that's for your that's the job of your own players to do to not only talk trash but most importantly back it up and the fact that they're getting their ass kicked, which is why he was probably pissed, that's on your players who you coach. So it's probably one, you don't have the talent on your roster, or two, you're not coaching them right. So, I mean, you know, being for us, we do like sports, but even partici- uh, participating in sports, if you have the opposing coach talk smack to you, it's like, what? Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be like the role model, the one that your players look up to, right. the one that showcases uh professionalism and sportsmanship, none of this crap here. To be honest, I wouldn't see Phil Jackson do this to opposing players, and I wouldn't see Pop.
2: Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird to see a coach have this, exchange, this type of exchange with a player, but then I realized I look back and I think, man, LeBron was 18, Udoka was 26, and they played against each other when LeBron was a rookie. So it's not, to me, it's maybe Udoka's just upset that he was getting punked 20 years ago by LeBron okay. James, and now he's getting punked 20 years later in a different different scenario. But yep. I mean, I don't mind the trash talk. I'm old school like you guys. I think it's, it's good for the game. Obviously, there's a certain line that you shouldn't cross. Draymond Green comes to mind. Jordan Poole. But maybe he maybe that line should have been crossed. I don't know. But you know what I mean? I, I think double text was warranted. Ejection was warranted. And I guess I'm not I can't say I'm surprised with maybe uh Dylan Brooks is rubbing off a little too much on Ime Udoka <laughs> over there in Houston. So or do you think
0: Dylan got Brooks Got like dogs heard- over there? Yeah. you think uh, Dylan Brooks heard what Ime said and was like Damn, man.
2: (laughs) Even (laughs) I wouldn't say that. What
0: was that about? (laughs) Anyway, I'm going to move us on to our next topic here. We're going to talk about Chris Paul and Scott Foster appearing on a Sirius XM NBA radio with Justin Termine and Eddie Johnson. Silver explained the two men don't have to be friends, but you both have to go out and do your jobs. The latest chapter of the Chris Paul and Scott Foster feud came on November 22nd when Paul played his first game against the Phoenix Suns at Footprint Center after being traded to the Golden State Warriors during the offseason and got ejected by Foster. Paul had this to say, he said, quote, we had a situation some some years ago and it's personal. The league knows everybody knows there has been a meeting and all that. It's just a situation with my son. I'm okay with the ref saying whatever, just don't use a tech to get your point across. I've got to do a better job of making sure I'm staying on the floor for my teammates, but that's that. Last night during the post-even uh sorry, there was there was another comment um CP3 had on Alvin uh, Adam Silver's statement. He said, nah, ain't nobody called me since all that happened. So aye, aye, aye. I guess how are we get like let's unpack what's happening here. So there is obvious history between Scott Foster and CP3, and it seems like Scott Foster is very loose with that whistle when it comes to CP3 and his his antics per se. And CP3 sometimes gets frustrated. Sometimes he gets ejected, right? What do you guys think of all this? Is there something here, or is this not anything to really blink at? What you think? It's uh, okay, boys. Let me ask you this. Sorry, Jim. <laughs>
1: let me ask Sammy and John this first. Which is, if a ref, if a player has a losing record with a ref and the player's known to be a winning player, and the records, I think three and thirteen. Does
3: that raise concern? Or should you never blame the refs? No, it does on some level, if it's a long, if it's a long-term thing where it's consistent and it's known that the ref and the player do not like each other. So in this case, yes, I I do find some concern in it personally. Um, Nobody likes Scott Foster
2: all my homies <laughs> hate scott foster okay well i mean like you I don't, are hate her. i don't know somebody verify this because from what i've been reading and i and i hope in today's day and age right you can't know what's for certain what's for truth what's truth but i think that back and for people that don't know this that didn't follow the nba back then but tim donahue the ref who was riddled with scandal, right? Gambling on games and reffing very important playoff games. And I get, yes, Sammy, I see your face, facial reaction. The Lakers and the Kings, he was re, he was reffing one of those <laughs> pivotal early 2000 games. I acknowledge that. I'm not a complete 100% homer. But I feel like, I think there was a report that Scott Foster was in constant contact with someone like with Tim Donahue back in the day with many phone calls around that time where the scandal happened. And my initial thought is how come that kind of was just like swept under the rug? I mean, I can understand why that may have been swept under the rug because it implicates the NBA in a really bad way, but Scott Foster to me is like somebody who really, really should not be refereeing important NBA games. He's very unhinged. If anything, you should never let a personal conflict or something like this with CP3 get in the way of your ability to referee games
3: at an objective level. Do you guys agree with me? Yes, and uh, related to that, I know that obviously referee scheduling has to be complicated, but if you as the league know that there is a history between this player and this ref, why is this ref still refing this player's games? Yeah. Exactly. I don't i don't get that
1: either mm-hmm. that's and the
3: one that gets to me just to provide background
1: to uh some of the listeners out there the rumors that uh the story that chris paul is referring to is that one of uh or post game when you're exiting and the refs are leaving in their private cars chris paul's son was playing like in the middle of the parking garage and scott foster honked at Chris Paul's son and told him to get the F out of the way wow, mm, wow. So, Is that, uh, I don't even
3: know what to say to that yeah
2: okay, that's the rumor that's the rumor you know what so, they say about rumors right they're usually true are always true, true baby <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm gonna go a step further and probably say he said even something even worse I'm gonna run with it I'm just gonna be like yeah but he definitely said something worse derogatory names you know all of that Alright. Interesting. So, That's an interesting.
0: I, I have I have two dads here on this pod and one about to be dad. So let's say the same situation happened to you guys. Are you guys holding a grudge, Sammy?
3: Yes. Absolutely. If Gang. someone mess with my son.
0: Yeah. If not
1: only like mess with your son, like, well, let me add on to that. If someone cusses at your son,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like Good luck controlling my rage.
2: Mhm. <laughs> John. Well, doesn't matter, but I mean, I'm having a daughter, so. But, but I, I, I know that doesn't that doesn't yeah that would probably make it even worse is is what I'm thinking, for sure. I don't I'm not a dad yet, soon to be, but, I mean, I can only imagine like, it's a kid, man. You know what I mean? If anything, you could like honk in a horn just so that you're making sure that the kid's aware that you're, that you're there and you don't want to hit them, get their attention. Maybe I can I can understand that. Maybe I can understand that. But to like swear at the kid and tell the kid to get the get the flunk out of the way no i think that's a little over the top man <laughs> definitely crossing the line for sure like you shouldn't even say that to like like grown adults you know what i mean like you'd be like hey excuse me can you get out of the way or move move Ooh, Get up. Yeah, play some ludicrous out there or something like that
0: is that what Scott Foster bumps on his yeah. way out
3: that's actually his horn.
0: <laughs> well anyway boys that's actually all we have time for tonight's episode I want to thank you three for being on JJ thanks for being on man thanks
2: everybody I appreciate you
0: all John thanks for being on man
2: Hey, it was. That's always been fun, man. I Appreciate
3: you guys. Thank you.
2: I'm
0: Detective John. Sammy, thanks for being on, dude.
3: Always great to be here, man.
2: Sammy takes it all the way.
0: And of course, shout out to our video producer, RJ. RJ. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All NBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All NBA. I'm Rosa Panta Rosa. This is The Clinic All-NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts.